Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Conscious Vibe Podcast, where we elevate intellect through conscious dialogue while exploring race, politics, business, and culture. I'm Dr. Daryl L. Jones, and I'm Charles D. Mitchell. DJ Charles, how are you, man? Man, I'm great. Good little dinner last night. Uh, no, it was great. Great dinner. Good morning. Got ran up on last night. I know that was crazy, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, so we got my man. D.B. <laughs> Darren Ray Bryant on the Conscious Vibe today. Looking kind of smooth over there. Yeah, huh? Always. Yeah. You know, that was his name growing up. What? Smooth. I don't doubt it. That was his name. I don't sure. doubt it. I do not doubt it. Happy to have you, brother. Glad to be here. Uh, first of all, don't give out my full government name. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back uh, to Scottsdale. Absolutely. Glad to be back, man. Yeah, uh, man. Can't, I can honestly say that I, I miss it. But, it misses uh, you. Good to be here. Definitely misses you, yeah. brother. Yeah. Um, you so, guys have some history. A lot of history. I'm um, going to talk a lot about that. Okay. Uh, grew up together. Um, <clears throat> as they say in the South, Ace Boom Coon. Yep. Yep. Uh, Midwest, too. Sixth grade. Stepped on a school bus, sat down beside each other, and it was pretty much a wrap. And uh that's crazy. We've been we've been doing this thing. What city? Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. Yep. And um look, just intertwined in a lot of ways in life. His his actually his parents in school with my parents down in a little small that's town crazy. called Smithfield, North Carolina. And uh just have a lot of connection from that particular point of like, you know, just family. Um and then just the rest mm-hmm. of life. But I don't want to tell the whole story. DB yeah. Talk to the people. Tell them about yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm Darren Bryant. Uh, most of my friends call me DB. Uh, that's sort of an alias that I like to keep separate from Darren. Uh, what are the differences between the two? D- Darren is more of the mild-mannered, uh, business-oriented guy. DB, okay. DB was a guy back from high school and college that could have a little fun. DB's, so, DB's the asshole. So, so who is the third guy that's talking right now, describing the two of us? This is Darren. This is Darren that's talking right now. Okay, got it. Yeah, and I was Uh, never an asshole. I'm joking. You know, I'm joking. You said that before, though. Yeah, this is not the first time. I did said said that yesterday. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I did say yesterday. Maybe I was then. I don't know. I didn't say that yesterday. But no. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Let's just. We can't just call somebody an asshole and keep moving. Right. Okay. What? Even if it's of some variation of that, what is it that makes you say that? Um, I would. I mean, he's not an asshole, first and okay. foremost, right? So, so but cheek. It, but if you were on the <laughs> opposite side of, like, if you're on the female, you know side, what example? Female side of that conversation. So, what's an example? Um. Hard on young ladies. Hard on them. Okay. Hard on them. I was used to be somewhat of a player in my younger days, is what he's trying to say. I'm not trying to call you a player. That's not my point. No, he he's saying it's just, I guess this is DB. I'm talking. not right. I'm not trying to say you a player. That's not where I was You're going with now. that. I'm just saying, you know, you you tended to be a little hard on the ladies. That doesn't make you a player, though. Right, that's what I mean. Ladies. That's exactly what I mean. I don't think it makes you an asshole either. Oh, that's why I said you're not an asshole. 
That's exactly what I said. I mean, it's one of these things. Well, you started by saying I know. Was. I was just like, you know. I mean, it's honestly one of these things that early on I knew what I could deal with and what I could not deal with or would not deal with. Okay. When it came to relationships and dating and things of that nature. So And you were clear with them about that. It's crystal. I don't yeah, I don't see any butthole in that. I don't either. No, not at all. The man just knew what he wanted. It was not trying to sell something else. <laughs> Back to Deion Sanders right now. <laughs> All right. Well, you're here now. Yes. And we have Darren with us today. And depends on how deep we get into this conversation. <laughs> DB may, may pop its head out. <laughs> okay. 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 But yeah. So were you guys, I feel like I'm interviewing two of you, but I'm like, I got questions, obviously. Were you guys athletes growing up or just? Yeah. So young? Charles was the much better athlete between the two of us, to be honest. And it's interesting that he said we met on a school bus. Well, prior to that, probably about a year or so, uh, we were playing rec ball. And basketball? that's yeah, basketball. And this is when you had uh Tony Blaylock and David Chavis on your team and you guys had that whole little Foxfire squad. And that's uh cute. Yeah, I, that's when we, we then we right. walked around like super thin with uh short shorts on. And yeah. yeah. So I played on a different team and I remember we played uh Charles and those guys one Saturday morning and it was uh it was ugly. It got ugly quick. They blew us out and we had a pretty decent team. Hmm. And I was like, who is this kid? Uh, well, lo and behold, you know, next year, whatever, we're on the school bus together. And I'm like, hey, man, I know you from somewhere. And I'm like, yeah, you pretty much beat the brakes off of us in basketball. <laughs> um, now, where'd you pick your skills up from, Charles? Your hoop skills? You really going to do that? No, I'm dead serious. I'm not being funny. Because you didn't have an older brother or anything. No. Right. So who'd you pick him up from? Like no dad? One. Honestly, no one. Okay. No, no, not dad. Okay. Not dad. Um, definitely not mom. Um, my, my parents say that it was my grandfather, hmm. um, her, my paternal grandfather, um, who was, I guess, a, you know, a fairly decent athlete and liked the game of basketball, but I've never, I'd never known him to play basketball. I'd never seen him play Got basketball. Okay. So I didn't know anything about that, but I just, I think it's one of those things that I just gravitated to, towards, uh, as a young kid. Yeah. What, what was nice about, uh, at that point, DB, DB's gay. He's a good defender. I would agree. Okay. It's like kind of like a Dennis Rodman. Uh, he's a good defender. He wasn't <laughs> a bad okay. shooter either. He could shoot the ball, put it in the hole. Uh, but he's a really good defender. He figured me out real quick. Okay. Yeah, no one else on our team could. I'm like, okay. guys, it's obvious he's a left-hander, so he's going to go to a strong hand. Somebody's got to play him to his left. Yeah. It's a little Charles Oakley-ish. Well, I mean, he looked like Charles Oakley. <laughs> 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 Paper thin. <laughs> Far from Charles Oakley. <laughs> All right. I was trying to come up with something. <laughs> Patrick Beverly. Uh, it's probably more Scotty Pippen-like. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> he looked like Scotty Pippen. I mean, he well, looked like Scotty, but I understand what the reference I'm saying from a frame, body yeah, shape, I understand body type. Profile, frame, yeah. style of what they call yeah. play. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, I like that. Got it. So, two cats meet on the school bus, then what? Yeah, so we um, we just started talking, and oddly enough, we both had this affinity for uh, music. We both played the saxophone, so we were in school band together. And uh, Charles, were you playing alto at the time? Yeah, I was playing alto. Yeah, eventually I, played tenor. Yeah, we both alto. played alto sax, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually, like you said, he moved to tenor. And so you have all of this stuff, all of these moving parts going on uh, as as a sixth grader. And, you know, you start 
becoming really close to someone. I'm like, you know, this guy's really cool. Then we just started having conversations. And I remember the first time I think he spent the night at my house, if I can recall. And I remember going to my mom saying, hey, I got a friend. Can he spend the weekend? And back then, you, you know, your parents would ask you a million questions. That's right. I mean, they wanted to run down. Yeah, exactly. And so what is his name? Yep. What do his parents do? Who are his parents? And the moment I said Charles Mitchell Jr., she, my mom, it, something just popped up in her head and said, Does he ha- is his dad named Charles Mitchell? I'm like, well, he's Junior, so obviously his dad is Charles Mitchell. And she's like, no, that's not what I mean. Is he from Smithfield, North Carolina or somewhere thereabouts? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. And she asked me his mom's name. And my mom said, wait a minute. I went to school with his parents and we had no clue. And I'm like, this is pretty amazing. So I have this new friend who I had no clue who went to school with my parents. And uh, so I think from that point. Were the the parents in touch at that point? No, no, no. No, No, yeah, go. And and Charles' dad knows my dad and all of my dad's brothers. Um, So it was pretty interesting. And I think, you know, it was one of those things that from that point we knew, we knew it was meant to be. Yeah. And then that's where, I guess the fun really started. That's uh, crazy. That's real crazy. Yeah. Hmm. So what was it like growing up in your Gatewoods, the neighborhood you grew up in? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that and your, your family makeup. Yeah. So, you know, grew up in a traditional family, you know, mother, father, had a, have a younger brother. Uh, we moved from Johnson County, North Carolina when I was five years old and, um, one of the most <laughs> interesting places, and, and Charles can attest to this, on in in North Carolina, you know, rural southeast North Carolina. Uh, some at that point in time, really behind the times in terms of race relations and things of that nature. Uh, so my father decided to move us away from from there. Uh, I think I was about four or five years old. Uh, moved to this neighborhood called Gatewood, which was probably about a mile and a half, two miles from where Charles's neighborhood was, uh, Foxfire. Our neighborhood wasn't as affluent as Charles's neighborhood. Ah, it was. How did you even put the word affluent? But it, in I mean, our neighborhood, I mean, just call it what it is. Was it kind of high end? Charles, oh, no, I won't say it was oh, high. End, it wasn't but, high end at all. Yeah, I mean, our my neighborhood, lower middle class at best. <laughs> oh, now nah, we don't go. I would from say you guys were middle class. Middle. I would say my neighborhood was lower middle class. Mm, I don't know, uh, but anyway, it, they, it was a neighborhood called Gatewood, and they called it the Gates. And literally, there was yeah, one, one way, way in and one, and one way, way out. out. Yep. So if you came from another neighborhood and you started trouble in our neighborhood, you had to figure out how to get out of our neighborhood because there's only one way out. And now, uh, Is that a neighbor? That sounds like a neighborhood with, with a one gate. Well, they, wouldn't, they didn't even have any gate. It, it was just the neighborhood, neighborhood gatewood. gatewood. So when you say one way in, through what? You you come off the uh, off the road. You make a right or a left, depending on which direction oh, you're coming from. I got you. And you I had to go you. out that same way. I got you. I yeah. got to start thinking rural, south, east. Yeah. Okay. And this is actually at the time. It's a community located, was, I guess Raleigh proper, if you will, but right. really close to Garner. Garner is a small suburb of Raleigh, which is where I, we actually went to high school. Yep. So yeah, I grew up in wow. Gaywood. Um, you know, based on. Everyone else in the neighborhood, the kids thought we were rich, but we were far from it. I uh, just had two parents that worked really hard uh, to provide for us and, and also give us things that, you know, would set us up, you know, set us apart from, honestly, other kids, you know, in terms of uh, taking us on trips and things of that nature to get, mm. so, you know, culture and, and stuff like that. 
uh, which I thought was really important. Uh, then at some point, my mom and dad decided they couldn't live together, and uh, they divorced. And uh, my how dad, old are you now? Is this high school? What is this? No, this was um, probably junior high at that point. Okay, yeah. So which um, we had back then. Yeah, we did, and before middle school. Yeah, yeah. And um, my mom, just, dad decided we're going to get a divorce, and so then my brother and I became, you know, sort of products of a single parent. And then we quickly became, you know, latchkey kids. Uh, jump off that school bus with the key around your neck, go open the door and don't go in the, go you in the house. Went, went with mom or dad? Mom. Okay. Go in the house and um, don't leave out of the house until I get home. That's pretty much was the rules. Uh, and back to your question about going with mom and dad, I think another thing that we really have in common is I was going to ride with my mom. And we're both mama's boys. Uh, <laughs> there's no argument there. No doubt about it. Uh, my brother was not so much a mama's boy, but me, I was straight mama's boy. And, um, and I think that's another thing that we certainly another thing that we have in common. Um, and it's funny listening, listening to our parents, especially our mothers talk shit about us, <laughs> to, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. It's been happening for a long yeah, it's time. It's been happening for a long time. And I can say something around Charles's mom. She's like, Darren, don't give me that. I've known you all your life. And, you know, what can I say? She has. <laughs> yeah. So, his, yeah. His mom, too. Ruth Bryant. Well, Atkinson now. Yes. Sorry. No, no worries. Mm. Sorry, Mama Ruth. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, I mean, grew up in that neighborhood, did our thing. And, and you know, as we did that, our of course, our friendship started to, to grow and blossom. So, you imagine going from a sixth grader through middle school, junior high, uh, now starting to have a lot of classes together. Uh, one of us. Claims that the other was a class clown, um, but I think it was a combination of the two. <laughs> someone always played innocent. I won't name that someone. <laughs> um, was he an instigator? I, w- mm, I wouldn't say he was an instigator. I think it was just more that we would feed off one another. Honestly. Okay. It's not a, not always a good thing. It's just not. It's not good to sit your best friend in the seat next to you. And, uh, particularly in Spanish class. Yeah, particularly in Spanish class when your Spanish teacher was smoking hot as a high schooler. From Colombia. From Colombia. A woman. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, that didn't help. No. Because <laughs> at that point in time, we were like, we're into girls. I mean, like, really into girls. And you imagine having a young, hot Spanish I teacher. Can. I can't. I didn't, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... So was that you guys' introduction into manhood? I mean, you got this female teacher. You guys probably stayed after class, got there early. Nah, it wasn't that because um, you were in too much trouble to to make that in anything. Yeah, but um, we we actually, I mean, we we had our introduction for sure. Yeah, I suspect our introduction into manhood was a little earlier than that. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, or unfortunately, a little bit earlier than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah to, to to put it lightly but yeah so high school we started thinking about college right yeah so it's interesting we we sort of followed the same curriculum because i'm a i'm a big believer in you know you are the company that you keep 
You know, they say birds of a feather flock together and those that don't still fly south for the winter. And uh, so my thing is I wanted to surround myself with people uh, who I knew were going places um, because I had this this goal and this vision for my life as well. And I knew I had to be around like minded people. So um, we both started you know, charting our, our courses in terms of curriculum and whatnot. Um, I think we both originally intended on being engineers. Yep. I know I wanted to be an industrial yep. engineer. Exactly. Uh, I think we both intended on going to NC State. Uh, I remember going on a trip to NC State yep. with our class. Exactly. Hmm. And imagine walking into a classroom the size of an auditorium where there are like 250, 300 students in a class. And and I, I remember, uh, what's his name, Dr. Dell mm-hmm. yeah. uh, yeah, told yeah. us that um, – Imagine sitting in this class, 300 people, and literally there are going to be four black students in this class. And I'm like, you know, I don't know if I can deal with that. Just didn't know if I was mature enough to deal with that. Uh, So at that point, I decided that NC State was not going to be the school that I was going to attend. Um, And it didn't hurt that we took a trip or two to uh, North Carolina A&T. Yeah, because at that time, right around that time, my dad was getting his master's degree at A&T. Yep. And he would leave Raleigh, which is about an hour and a half drive. He'd leave in the afternoons to, to get to a class that, let's say, it started at 6 o'clock. And Darren and I would actually ride with him up to A&T and just hang out on the, camp- on the campus. We had homeboys oh. who were, who were a year. Know, year older than us yep. that we knew that were there, guys that went to other schools in town, high schools in town. Uh, that we got to be friends with through uh, uh, actually a high school fraternity we were in called mm-hmm. Friends of Distinction, FOD. And we started spending time on campus at A&T with them, which I think is really how we kind of got connected to the school. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, a couple friends who are, like Charles said, a year older, so they're freshmen at that point in time. And, you know, we're high school seniors and they're sort of showing us the quote unquote college ropes. And you start to see things that didn't look like they looked in high school. <laughs> Uh, books, yeah, books. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the books. The books were a lot bigger. Yeah, buildings, you know, classrooms, and uh, you're like, wow, this is okay. Uh, and, and it's interesting that that would help sway your college decision. But to be completely candid, it had something to do with it. Um, and plus, you know, I just knew a lot about the school and knew it was a good school for for uh, academics and. You know, so and so at this point, what is the academic focus? Is so the academic focus still IE? is still IE for me. Yeah, same. Uh, and Auntie has at that point in time, and still the probably second best engineering school in the state of North Carolina, uh, behind NC State. Um, but I venture to say that probably more of the graduates of African American graduates are landing jobs faster than than NC State or any place else in in the area. Um, so again, career. Path is still industrial engineering. So I get there and I and I realized that my personality didn't lend well to industrial engineering. At least I didn't think it did. Um, I, I knew I was somewhat outgoing. Oddly enough, I was pretty shy as a kid, but I still felt like I was too outgoing for uh, to be sitting, you know, doing engineering work. And I wanted something that was going to excite me a bit more. Um I knew I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to shake hands and, and all of that stuff. So I decided to change my major to business shortly after I got there. 
uh, and, and focus with the concentration in marketing. So I made the change probably second semester or early sophomore year. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So now you're there. Um, what did you do with all this sports energy that you had and all this talent around sport? So I, I guess you have the sort of backtrack my because I was paper thin, like literally I was six feet tall, 135 pounds on a good day. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was that for a very long time. Um, I can't even really envision that. Yeah. And uh, what does that look like? Well, I'd look the same way. <laughs> 135. Yes. 135 at six feet. I, I was just a little, little bit taller. Yeah. That was about it. Wow. Dude, okay. it was. And, and so I knew that, uh, I didn't, I didn't have enough weight on me. And I, and I ate a bunch of food, a bunch of junk and everything else. I just couldn't gain weight. Um, unlike now. Um, and, and so I, I realized or quickly realized that yeah, I'll, I'll get moved around way too easy. And this is even back in high school. That you know, sports. This is where it stops. It's, now it's just a fun thing, you know, pickup games and, and things of that nature. So I, I left that behind. Did you play hoops in high school? Yeah. Okay. So I E for you, and you mentioned accounting at one point. Yeah, and I went to you know, I, I you know, along that same path was uh, originally going to A and T uh, as an industrial engineering major, and um, the accounting. Uh, the school of business and the accounting department started reaching out to me and uh, eventually offered me a scholarship. I'm like business free school. Yeah, that, that works. And so I actually changed my major before even um, going to school to, to accounting, eventually changed that to just finance. Now, uh, were you playing with NC state too or no? Yeah. At the time I applied there, got into school, decided I just wasn't going to go there. Yeah. And I did the same thing at the University of North Carolina because um, it was one of those things they always told you. They always told you to apply to three schools because you may not get into one or the one you want to get into. So have some backups. And uh, I got into University of North Carolina and opted not to go there either. But that was for different reasons. Um, we had a very good friend of ours. His lo and behold, his name was Darren. Also, it's a white guy. Um, we used to call him white boy, uh, cause he was, he was our guy. I mean, we all hung out together and this was back in the days where, um, schools, colleges in particular, they, they had quotas to fill. And I know Darren, his grades were equally as good as mine or better. And we made similar scores on the SATs. Um, he didn't get accepted. I did. And so at that time i Felt some type of way about that, and I didn't want to be a quota filler. Uh, mm. So I'm like, you know, you're not going to use me to fill quotas or whatever. So I'm going to pass. And so I mm. did. Looking back on it, how you feel now? Um, I mean, I do have some regrets, just because I think more so than I'm. A, I'm like one of the biggest Tar Heel fans in the world. Um, so from that perspective, you know, you you sort of wonder what if. Um, but for the most part, I don't think I would have traded my anti experience for anything. I mean, that was that's a part of my life that <laughs> will go down in infamy. <laughs> Let me rephrase my question. Okay. The logic you used to make the decision to not go to UNC, do you still adhere to that logic? Absolutely. Today? Okay. I do. What do you think about that logic, Gerald? I get it. I mean, I do get the logic. Um, I also get the fact that 
um, there's always been huge disparities in, you know, the opportunity for African-Americans to be able to attend or Hispanics or any ethnic group to be able to attend schools like that. And so if there's an opportunity for you to have that door opened at the expense of someone else who may be equally qualified, um, I don't see that as a reason necessarily to say I'll pass. Um, I think if you want to take that opportunity, I don't think you should feel any less um, qualified to attend. Like you deserve that spot just like anyone else. Valid. But I also think that, you know, you're, you're free to make that decision that this is not the place for you. So I get it. Yeah. I feel like if, if they wanted either Darren there, they would be there. Exactly right. Exactly. They would have accepted either one, right? Yeah. Regardless of what happened with you. Exactly right. Because I, I, I know. Him there, he'd be there. Yeah. And I knew at A&T uh, that, <clears throat> back up. So at UNC, I felt like had I attended, I would have been, again, just a number, uh, probably wouldn't have gotten the personal attention necessary to be exactly. successful. Uh, and I knew I was going to get that uh, going to North Carolina A&T. So hands down, I think I made the right choice there. I, I think you did too. In retrospect, it, I mean, it was never, I think we talked about it before, Charles. Yeah, it was absolutely. never even an option. I don't even know if I may have known about Morehouse, Howard, and Spellman, but never an option. I was considering in-state, et cetera. Looking back, I would love to have had the opportunity to attend HBCU undergrad. Yeah. Um, I don't know which one, but I really make a lot of respect for the brothers and sisters who come out of there, and especially what's happening now uh, with some of the resources being shifted that way. There's a lot going on there. So you guys still connected in any way with a and Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. In, in what way? So – I mean, we all get the alum. We both get the alumni information. Uh, I give, maybe not as much as this man, but I'm a, <laughs> I am a donor. You give uh, money. Yeah, we give That's money. Good, man. That's great. I have to. Uh, I used to go back a lot and speak to. Um, I have, my mentor was a professor there, and I used to go back and speak to his classes a lot. He's since retired. Uh, he was a marketing professor of mine. Um, so I used to go almost every year and just speak to his classes about marketing and international business and things of that nature. Uh, so I've been connected for a while. And then, you know, I, I make the occasional trip back to homecoming just to see everybody. A little different trip, though, than it was when you were there? Yeah, much different. Yeah. <laughs> that, that trip I don't do. Um, but um, I stay connected to the business <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, that trip is much different. <laughs> That's good, man. It probably, it probably should be. As it should That's be. That's a dangerous trip. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it probably uh, it probably should you know, be. You know, the good news about that is that <laughs> some of the people that I probably would have chased uh, in a, when I was in attendance. Yeah, there, you wouldn't chase now. I wouldn't chase today. So that trip is okay. Well, That's a safe trip. Funny because, thing is, because, the funny thing is you wouldn't have to chase. Because valid, they, they they couldn't run fast enough okay. to get away from you. Really? Okay. <laughs> Is Sorry. that right? Sorry. <laughs> You're <telling the> truth. <laughs> well, that's great. You guys stay connected, man. That that presents a lot of opportunities for them, I think, and, and you guys. So you're back. So how far away now are you living from the university? Probably about an hour and a half. Okay, that's a little crazy, right? That you're back. Yeah, yeah. it is crazy. Um, Moved out here four years ago, February the 13th, I think was oh, the dude, five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. Yes. February 13th um, was the date that I started working with Charles and Sherry and um, moving my family out here. At that time, I had a five month old son, <laughs> uh, which is another 
weird story. I'm sure we'll get into at some point. I uh, had a five month old son and uh, he took a first couple, his first couple of plane rides out here to visit. And then obviously for us to move here. And now that five year old, five month old son is almost five years old now. And uh, we have a yeah. nine month old baby girl to go along with him or 10 month old baby girl, actually to go along with our four year old. And, um, we actually made a decision last year to move back to North Carolina. Uh, 2020 was a tough year for most of us on many fronts, uh, between, you know, social unrest, uh, COVID. And then I lost my father in April of 2020, um, to cancer. And then my wife's mom had cancer as well. Uh, but she's in remission. She's fully, uh, in remission now. Um, so it was some of these things we looked at each other and said, you know, I don't know, 2,500 miles from home, can't get to family fast enough if something happens. Um, you know, one of the toughest decisions I had to make was whether I was going to board a plane to go see my dad and spend the last five days, days of his life with him. Uh, it was sort of tough. And I mean, because we were in the thick of COVID at that point in time. And uh, I was literally terrified to get on the plane. Um, I managed to do it. And it was probably the smartest thing I've done in a long yeah. time to spend those last few days with him. Uh, so we just made a decision and it's, it was a super tough one, man. And, and I mean, if it wasn't a family, if it had nothing to do with family, then we'd probably still be here, honestly. And every time I come and visit, I miss it more and more. Uh, this was my son's, my wife and my son's first time back since we left. Um, oh, okay. Got yeah. It. And I remember us riding from the airport and my wife was like, Hey, I kind of missed this. And my son. Oh, airport to destination. To destination, oh, okay. yes. Uh, so when we landed here at so airport. that quickly, she said. Yeah, that. she said it that quickly. And it was odd, oddly enough. So Sunday, we decided to go back for the first time in a year and a half and visit our church, the church that we attended here. Uh, I'm making all the Mr. Classic mistakes. Class, all the classic <laughs> mistakes. Exactly. Uh, so we, we haven't been in church. You know, we had not physically set foot in a church in a year and a half. We decided to go back and visit the church. They moved into a new location. Amazing. Uh, my son goes back into, you know, the kids church and he has an absolute ball. Um, then we decide to put him back in his school for the week because they're like, yeah, we'll welcome him with open arms. And he goes back and he's a little reluctant at first, but then he warms up and you go pick him up. He doesn't want to leave. And uh, mind you, this is the same kid when we left here was three years old, maybe mm -hmm. didn't want to leave. Uh, and talks about Arizona and moving back to Arizona to this very day. I'm like, dude, you're too young to understand and know that wow. you want to move back to Arizona. But he does. It's no secret in his mind. I think the amazing thing, you know, and just, you know, selling into some of the other things I know we want to talk about, but um, just having the opportunity to grow up as, you know, as best friends and, and you know, going through life, um, high school, go to college together graduate and then start going on separate paths in life. Right. Yep. And, um, we were always like, you know, one of us was like on the opposite end of the, the country or the world, quite frankly, he spent time in, in, uh, in Asia and Europe, um, not Asia, but Australia, actually some time in Japan, um, in, in terms of his work. And, you know, I eventually, you know, started migrating with, you know, went Midwest and came back East and then eventually came back West cool. and then to be able to come back together, you know, in the last five mm. years and have this time together, you know, and actually working together, right. Uh, in, in, in our company 
and then also getting an opportunity like you know his his two older daughters are my 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 they're my god kids yep. my god god daughters and not having an opportunity to see them grow up right because i was never around i was so far away um always in touch but not always just you know physically in, in, pre- in the present um and now getting to watch his young family again you know <laughs> It was just a really a trip yeah. to, to be able to see that from a different lens and a different stage in life. And literally Logan was four months old when he, when he got here. Yeah. Uh, and, and sort of watch <laughs> him crazy. grow up. I mean, literally the kid was like, I remember the first night they came to our home and, you know, stayed with us for, you know, probably the first few weeks that they were here just trying to get adjusted and kind of get in the place where they were going to live. And, um, you know, he, like, they were exhausted and tired. And she was like, I got him. You know, we're going to, we're going to, Take Logan tonight. I'm like, we're gonna do what? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like she was up with him like clockwork, like every hour on the hour. And I'm like, I'm, I'll, I'll try to help. You know, it, it was just that kind of connectivity um, that just wasn't available. Yeah, you know, for probably 20 plus years, right? And to be able to recoup a lot of that um, and just start to enjoy just the opportunity to be in the same vicinity. Um, Kind of like, you know, like it was when we were growing up. It's just like, it was like a huge blessing. Yeah. It's funny. My uh, older daughters, I mean, they're 31 and 25, and they still call Charles Uncle Charles. I mean, yeah. That's Uncle Charles to them. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So what city are you in now? So uh, I'm in the small town of Princeton, North Carolina, right? Which is about 45 minutes, I guess, outside of Raleigh. Um and that's just a temporary stop. Uh, chances are, and, or at least our plans are to move back to Charlotte because we moved, re- relocated. We located here from Charlotte, relocated here from Charlotte. Um, and so our plan is to ultimately go back to Charlotte, North Carolina. So you're in Princeton now mm-hmm. and you have been gone from Carolina. When's the last time you had lived in Carolina? Five years ago. Oh, okay. So you Moved from Carolina to okay. here. What's the difference in the culture back there now? What are you finding different? And the tag on to that, because I always think about that, I always think about that too, because I know how it's never the same moving. You leave well, a place. It's not the back. same for a lot of reasons, right. family, et cetera, but, but culturally, culture, correct. What, what's different? <sighs> if anything, I, I would say. Culturally, and it just really depends on what part of North Carolina you're talking about. And, I, and I'll use Charlotte because that's ultimately where we want to end up. Uh, I was telling Charles yesterday that I'm seeing a lot of things that I saw here in Arizona in terms of like places to dine and things of that nature that are okay. West Coast or what I consider Arizona concepts are now in Charlotte. Uh, and, and I think Charlotte, because it has uh, a really good buzz to it. It's, you know, Charlotte for the longest has been called the next Atlanta. I, I don't see that. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want it to be yeah, that. In some ways you might not want yeah, Exactly. That. There are lots of ways that I, I don't. Agree. I would agree. Um, I wouldn't say it's the next Atlanta, but it is certainly a booming city. Uh, it's a great place to raise a family. Um, it, it has its downsides just like every other city. Uh, but for the most part, I think it's it's gotten it's become very liberal for the most part and it hadn't always been that way. Uh, and I think the reason being is because there are a lot of transplants now in Charlotte. There's not a lot of, uh, 
quote unquote homegrown people who grew up there and still live there. So does it feel northeast from yeah yeah? Does it yeah. feel less Bible Belt than maybe it used to, or is that still a still a thing? Because I mean, dimension? yeah, I, and one of the things that would really surprise me if North Carolina ever legalized marijuana. Uh, I just it, I would that would totally shock me if they did uh, because it, it is Bible Belt. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and so you still have a lot of that. Uh, you still have a lot of uh, as we were talking about earlier, Southern hospitality, where you know you you hey come on in, grab a glass of sweet tea. Uh, still have a lot of that, um, but you know you still have your you still have your <laughs> you still have yep, your yep. mess around yep. around it. It's, it's still the South. Honestly, uh, but I think that's the part for me that, you know, when I go back home, it's just super obvious that life is still very much divided in terms of how people live. And, you know, and look, I live in a very, very, you know, we have a very, very small, diverse population here in Arizona. So you know, yeah. not throwing stones, but I think when you have. The, the population numbers where you, you definitely have that diversity, but then life is still very much separate in terms of how people live and how they think. It just makes it a little, for me at least, when I go back, I'm just always, and I'm not talking about Charlotte because I don't spend a lot of time in Charlotte, but particularly when I go back home to like the Raleigh area and particularly I'm sure like down in a place mm-hmm. like Princeton. Absolutely. Like life is very much still very much black and very much white. And it's just, um, it's just a dynamic for me that I always find a little bit, um, you know, disconcerting. I just don't feel like it's something that I feel very connected to. And I always, you know, I only, I can only, I have a few days of it and I'm like, you know, it's been nice time for me to get back on a plane. Yeah, and I think there's also, you know, like you said, it's pretty much black, pretty much white. And then you throw the wealth gap in there mm-hmm. and that hasn't really changed at, at all. Uh, especially in a town like Princeton, I think Charlotte is certainly the wealth gap disparity. Uh, the discrepancy between you know the wealth gap is not as broad or as wide as it was, uh, but in small towns, uh, and even I would say almost even in Raleigh, and Raleigh is a relatively large city, um, and I don't know why that is, and I, I think some of it's mindset. Oh, for sure. Um, like a lot of it's education. Education. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's all of that. It's interesting, man. And, and and this is what I seriously thank my parents for is because I know cats that we went to school with high school, you know, middle school, junior high, whatever. And they've never left. They never left. And I think when you say never left, like, like never left, never left, like don't do much outside of the community, don't go places. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm taking that a little bit liberally and saying, saying, you know, saying that people are doing things, not doing things that perhaps they are doing necessarily, but to your, to the bigger point, I think it is there's, they're still in the same state condition that, you know, they've always been. Yeah. I mean, thankful that I had the opportunity to live some different places Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, for sure, because it shows you just, you know, different cultures, everything. It opens up your world. You see things a lot differently. You know, your experiences. And both of your um both of your parents are still there. Correct. Is your mom my mom's still there? Yeah. Okay. And my stepdad. And your stepdad. Mm-hmm. Okay. When did your stepdad enter the picture? 
Wow. I think they just celebrated 30 years of marriage. Okay. Uh, okay. So, yeah. When it, so he entered they spent a long time in New York, though. Yeah. It's, my mom and stepdad lived a long time in New York, in Brooklyn. Uh, so I used to visit my mom quite a bit when she was in Brooklyn. Uh, at the time, I, I would always say it's a great place to visit. I could never live here. Um, Why is that? It's too fast for me, man. Oh, Brooklyn? Yeah, New York was just <laughs> yeah. too fast for me. It's funny I can live there tomorrow. But so yeah, then they got married and moved to New York and lived in New York, I don't know, 10, 15 years or more, and then decided they wanted to retire and move back to North Carolina, so they did. Okay. So you're back now. Um when you think about your two kids that are still in your home and, mm-hmm. and, you know, young by any stretch of the imagination. And you think about their experience in school and education. How do you feel about living where you live or where you will be living? Again, there's a big difference from where I currently live. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean, where you yeah. will be living. And where I yeah. will be living. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a lot of problem with that. I think what Logan will ultimately see is more diversity than he honestly would have had we stayed here. Because, uh, I mean, even his, his daycare here, um, he's the only kid of color yeah. in his class. And it's interesting that you know, we should bring that point up because my kid has said to my wife and I both, I'm just going to be honest. I want to be white. Mm. And I'm like, dude, what do you mean? You want to be white? You can't be white. And you're a beautiful Brown kid. Uh, God made you in your, you know, in his image and you're this beautiful Brown kid. And there's nothing you can do about that. You are who you are. No, I want to be white because that's all he saw. Of course. Here with the exception of Charles and you and, and some of our other friends, uh, his friends, his you know little circle, bro, you know white kids. So I, I think he'll get much more diversity uh, in schools and whatnot there. Yeah, and I think that's super important um, because you know when I think about <clears throat> these relationships, right, and the ones that we get to have with one another, you know, relationship that you and I have, relationship that I've been able to develop with DJ, JB. Yep. Um, some of our other friends is like this, this, it's a special connection and the, the ability to have like a real brotherhood and feel like there's someone who gets what you go through in life every single day. Yep. Like that's important for like Logan. He's going to need that. I know I need it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really I value it every single day to have the ability to just, you know, if something's off, you know, I can, I know that he, he gets where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. I know that you get where I'm coming from. And that we can talk about these things. We can have this dialogue and it's, you know, it's not, it's not met with. And look, you know, I have friendships with, you know, white males, some, uh, some friendships I thought I would never be able to have, but I have genuine friendships. Um, but I also know that they don't, they, they, they can't, they can't get and understand, you know, what living in the world that we're in every single day. Um, that what we're faced with and kind of how we have to think about things. Um, I just don't know that there's the same connection where you're able to like really, truly, um, you know, sit in one another's literally sitting in your seat yep. and, and feeling what that, what that feels like and what that's like to, to be in your skin every single day. I think you're right. And, and it's interesting. Um, obviously I met you DJ through Charles. 
And uh, and then JB, sort of our, our fourth partner is how I look at it. Uh, he and I, we were out scrambling a couple of drinks on Friday night. And I said to him that I think us as a collective, the four of us as a collective, we we hit it off really well. And we have some really interesting conversations and things of that nature. We challenge one another. But then at the same time, we can go off. You know, me and you one on one, let's just say we're at a particular place watching a boxing match or a UFC fight. We can chop it up just mm-hmm. like like we've known True. each other forever. Yep. Uh, then, you know, I can go hang with Charles and the same thing. Or you can hang with Charles and Charles can hang with JB. I hang with JB. However it is, we, we're we great as a collective and we're great individually as well. Uh, I think that's important. I think a couple of things is that, number one, we challenge each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we challenge our, our thinking. Uh, and, and, you know, that whole iron sharpens, sharpens iron, I think that holds true in our case. Um, because like you said, Charles, I don't, you know, you guys are going to always feel my pain if there's something going on in the world where there's some type of unrest or whatever, where, you know, whether it's another black man being shot and killed or whatever. Uh, I don't have to explain to you how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. You, you can feel it yourself. Yeah. You know it. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's one thing that's really important about having this, this brotherhood and this friendship. Yeah, and I think it also, you know, look, you know, we, we, you know, DJ and I have this conversation a lot, you know, like there's an inherent bias in a lot of things that we see in life and, and that we hear about. Um, and we look at each other and we go, wow, we would never have been able to survive that scenario, that situation. We would have been treat, treated very differently. Um, and, and so, you know, having that common understanding around all of that, um, and, and under and, and knowing at the end of the day, I think what it comes down to is having an emotional intelligence of, of understanding what another person has is going through yep. in a similar vein. And it's hard to translate that into relationships that don't have that same commonality. Um, and look, it doesn't lessen those relationships in any way. Absolutely, but it but it it, it just makes it a little bit different when you're having to you having to you're having to dig into your own feelings about what's going on with you in life and having that connection point with things that are happening in the world to people that look like you. Yeah. I have a really good friend who's who's a white guy, and uh, he and I had a conversation, especially during the whole election cycle and the whole George Floyd situation and everything. And I, I mean, we we had a real candid and honest conversation. I'm like, dude, you, you or your kids will never know what it feels like to be, you know, your butt cheeks don't clench when the cops behind you. <laughs> they don't tighten up. Mind us. You guys can understand that. He would never understand. Exactly right. that. And he's like, Darren, you're right. I would never understand that. He's like, it's just another dead in the, in the office for me. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's not for me. And I've never committed a crime a day in my life. Uh but still, you have that feeling, and I think only a honestly another man of color can understand when you when you have that type of feeling. Um, yeah, and it just you know, come back to your son. I I went through a similar, uh, probably a really quick phase um, when I was young, and it was because I was surrounded by white folks, mm. but not just students, teachers. Mm-hmm. Your, your vision, even in the church that we went to growing up, uh, the picture of Jesus was white. On yep. the wall, church full of black folks. So AME, Mount Zion, AME in Bible Creek, Michigan. So why wouldn't he want to be, right? Why wouldn't he want to be? But I think now that you're aware that that's what he's thought or thinking, as his mind and brain expands, we don't want that to be the reason for the expansion or um, the premise for the expansion. Right. So now that you feel good that he's back in a more diverse environment, being conscious of that man is 
probably going to be critical. Yeah. And I'm, I'm speaking not as a, you know, uh, a neuroscientist, but as someone who I remember saying something similar to my mom. Hmm. And she checked me fast. But then she also had to think about what kind of environment do I have in there? Yeah. Because I've been the only black kid in class, but then I've been <laughs> in a class full of. But I think that's been all of us. Crazy. Yeah, I think been. that's been all of us in a lot of respects, because unfortunately, what we're tasked with is that a lot of times we become the first, you know, yeah. in a lot yeah. of scenarios, a lot yeah. of situations, the first, if not the only. And uh, we have to, you know, I think, you know, what we've all been able to learn how to do is to adapt well. Right. Uh, we, we've learned to adapt well and to move in those environments where we can continue to thrive and be successful. It doesn't always work. You no, know, it doesn't. You know. There, there are many people that look like us that won't be able to do to do that in a way that we've been able to do that. You've done that in a corporate career. And, you know, and you've Charles, done the same. I, I'm going to I'm going to challenge a little bit the adapt word because I don't I don't know if that's what it is. I'm I use say, that for me. I, but I even when I think about you, th- there might be a lot of that. But I also see thriving. Well, yeah, absolutely. Right. No, not, and, and not I, I think thriving is an appropriate term for that. Yeah, for sure. I, that, that's kind of what I see and, and yeah. I see here yep. as well. Adapting, I think that takes on a whole different structure. Well, I think when you adapt, right. you you start to you start to look, act, and everything else Some like assimilation. What, you, yeah, what you're adapting to. Yeah. Um, I, and and I, don't get me wrong, I certainly think there's a certain of certain amount of that, but I try more so to, I don't, A, I don't try to fit in. I just try to be me, right. regardless of where I am. Right. I want to be the best me, and you just got to take it or leave exactly it. Exactly right. Um, that's just how I am. I mean, but certain there's a certain amount of adaptation, uh, but I think it's really small, but the rest is just being your And maybe that's self. a good check, D. I mean, and maybe adapt is a really, you know, not necessarily <clears throat> the best word to use, but I think of it in terms of um, not necessarily adapting from my, my behavior, but adapting in terms of how I th- think I'm going to deal with people, right? Mm-hmm. In, in a way where, you know, sometimes you have to be a little more strategic to kind of get yeah. where you want to yep. go. Um, doesn't mean you have to behave differently or you have to act differently. You just have to figure out how you're going to deal with that person over here who know you think, who mm-hmm. know you, you know, thinks differently about you. Yep. And so perhaps that's a, a, a piece of the, the thought process, but I, I, I take your point. Um, but it is different, you know, and I think, you know, I think that's something that's unappreciated that is, you know, we've had to figure out how to navigate in a different way to accomplish what we want for ourselves. Yep. So, you know, we're probably wrapping up pretty soon, brother. What, what's, what's next for you and your family? What, what do you envision? Yeah. First of all, no more kids uh, for starters. Really? I'm too old for that. <laughs> no, no. Trust me, we're good on that one. Um, so, okay, got it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. I, I think you know, for us, it's just obviously getting back to Charlotte, waiting until this crazy housing market uh, starts to taper off and die down yeah. and self-correct because we know what it's going to um, get. You know, I, I'm never gonna say never in terms of uh, you coming back. Right. You coming That's back. exactly. It. I'm never saying never You're coming back. Um, we're going to talk about that later. I'm, I'm all ears. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, so I would never say never on that. Um, regardless of where we end up, uh, I, I'm just crazy. I'm like a completely different dude. I'm completely different than DB. I am this now 
you know, married family man. And, you know, my, my wife and kids mean everything to me. So whatever it is, I want to make sure I have them in the best position to, yeah, to win. I, uh, I think what it. I love seeing you, I, I love seeing, um, I feel like you're super thoughtful and grounded, you know, and, and, you know, no, you wear it super well. And I think part of it is, is being, you know, the father that you are and the husband that you are and that you really, really focused on, you know, a bigger picture around your family and taking care of them. And I see it with your girls. I've seen that for a long time and how you raise them to be strong young women and what they do in life. And I see the same thing for, you know, how you raising Logan and Darren Ray and the, the unit that you guys have, I think is a beautiful thing. And I just love watching you, you know, thrive as a husband you know, and like, I guess you could say act number two. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I mean, act number two in life in terms of just, you know, having a what you would some call a second family, if you will, <laughs> having young kids again and having to you literally start all over with be, uh, being a parent once again. Yeah. And, and I think it goes beyond my, you know, my 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 little family. I think it actually expands beyond that because I'm real. I'm into what your family's doing. I'm into what you're doing as an individual. I'm into what JB is doing. And I want to make sure that anytime I'm around you guys, that I'm actually adding something to your lives, uh, whether it's through mm. Jaden, Haley, Tate, Sherry, yeah. uh, whomever, you DJ, it, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, you guys are, I consider you guys my family. You're my extended family. Man, you're basically a brother to me, bottom line. Yep. <laughs> Same. And, and so, you know, I feel like if I'm not adding value to your lives, then, then why am I here? So, you know, it's funny, man. Some may say, oh, as a friend, you don't need to do that. I think it's a we'll very health, healthy filter to have. You got to have it. In anything you do. Yeah. And I told my wife, I'm in like, anything you if do. you're not a better person by being married to me, then you don't need to be with me because I failed you. And that's just how, and that's how I feel about friendships, true friendships. Yeah. I think, you know, again, iron sharpens iron. That was a really great point you made. Um, it's all about making one another better. You yep. know, that's that's the beauty of what I call this type of brotherhood, because we're always being real with one another and making sure that, you know, we're we're, we're moving in the right direction. Absolutely. So we get some tacos later and maybe. A oh, hell yeah. Toss you, gotta, you have to babysit again? Or can no. You get out? First of all, I, I, I can't babysit. I don't babysit my own kids. A <laughs> man does not babysit his kids. <laughs> Uh, but you no, have I'm, to watch your children. I, I'm getting out yeah. tonight. There'll oh, be a okay. few, uh, few skinny margaritas. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. There are a few to, to we'll call them Scotty Pippins. That's what we we'll call them. <laughs> <laughs> it works for me. There's a few Scotty Pippins out there waiting on me. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Anything else, brother? Anything, we always offer the opportunity to ask us anything. So I know we, we're pretty much out of time. But anything you want to ask the DNR? No, it's not that I want to ask you, man. I guess it's probably more of a statement more so than a question. I just want to tell you guys that I'm extremely proud of what you've done with this podcast. I mean, Thank I you. check out all of your episodes. Thank you, I'm a big fan and a big cheerleader, uh, and I promote it every chance I get to my friends back on the East Coast. Uh, I would say keep doing what you're doing. Uh, at some point, this is going to be monetized. Uh, don't, And I know you won't. This is just me preaching to the choir. Don't let the money change it. Keep it authentic. Keep it raw. True. Um, and keep doing what you're doing, man. I think we need more of this. I mean, there's so many, you know, what I consider bullshit celebrity podcast out there uh, who has to cater to a certain audience and a certain advertiser and everything else where you guys don't have to do that. Um, 
and, and I think if you keep doing what you're doing, this is going to be a, on a national platform before it's all over with. And you guys are going to be a household name. So I'm super proud. Hmm. And I'm super proud to call you my friends. Oh, man. Much appreciate brother. Appreciate that, brother. Goes likewise. And thank you for joining us on The Conscious Vibe. Thank you for joining us. And check us out on tcvpodcast.com. <laughs>